1: Seeing what are you hearing uh, vis-a-vis the campaigns that you're interested in, uh, anything you want to suggest, anything you want to talk about, we're here for you. It's uh, your show, 602-508-0960, 960 I wanted to start off with this. Steve Bannon gets sentenced to four months incarceration for failing to abide and obey a subpoena. From what I think we all consider to be an illegitimate investigative committee, isn't it outrageous? Yes, of course. Just as so much is, from what is going on in our schools to the withdrawal from Afghanistan to the knowing punishment of the American people by depriving them of energy independence to going hat in hand as a result of that policy to rogue regimes like Venezuela and Saudi Arabia to the lies about COVID. The vaccine to the lies about our border, to what is happening as a result of those lies about our border, to our drug poisoning crisis, to the notion that Supreme Court justices refuse to say they can define what a woman is, to the head of the DNC twice this year calling every Republican a fascist. I'm just getting started, but it's all outrageous. And yet it comes to some of us a bit more calmly. You know who gets intuitively what I'm trying to describe? My producer, Bill. Anytime I've heard someone in the office or elsewhere point out one of these things to him or the latest outrage of the day, he pretty calmly shrugs his shoulders, saying sotto voce and sometimes magna voce, What do you expect? or, And why are you surprised? In, in other words, socialists run Washington, D.C and most of the mechanics and mechanisms of our culture. So what do you expect? Or another way to put it, why do you think we warn about electing these people all the time in the first place? That's the main point. Socialism is what socialism does. Political prisoners, two-tiered system of justice, arbitrary enforcement of criminal and civil laws, arbitrary judgments about race and religion, Censorship of the press, defamation to the point of criminal attribute of your opposing party, the abuse of psychiatry for political purposes. We warn, people vote, and they do. This, of course, is one reason this election is so important. Let's not vote for more socialists or a party that embraces and is run by socialists. Not even if it's someone who says they challenge the party when they think they're wrong. The whole damned party is wrong. It's a Bernie Sanders party. It's a party of extremism that has attempted and in too many places succeeded in making the extreme almost normal or the default. Consider no limits on abortion at all at any point. That's what your moderates say. Now think of those who aren't moderate. Take Elizabeth Warren, who several times this year has said crisis pregnancy centers should not exist, should not exist. They should be disappeared. Meantime, is there anyone more popular in our culture than Oprah Winfrey? She's all in and doing campaign events for Stacey Abrams. Stacey Abrams, who A, is an election denier without shame or pause, B, Broadcasts mis and disinformation about public health and science without shame or pause, which is C, or R, C, the two main complaints about Republicans, or at least the two main excuses to censor conservatives who are censored. Arbitrary. (coughs) Good word, that. Excuse me. It keeps coming up. It means depending on one's will or pleasure. Whim. Not truth or consistency or singular standards. Will and power. Le ça I am the state. What I say is the truth is the truth. Tyranny of the majority. I think it's playing with fire and I think it's dangerous as hell. And people keep voting for it because I suppose they agree with the positioning and some people who vote for it are surprised by it or think they can satisfy themselves by carving out the parts they don't like. As if to say, again, well, heck, he sure knows how to make those trains run on time, and I need the trains for my commute. Some years ago, when we thought socialism was on the wane, Irving Kristol, not Bill, Irving Kristol wrote, Of the socialist fideists, believers, who keep insisting that we must not judge socialism by any of its works, like the Soviet Union, they tell us was not socialist at all. They tell us China was not socialist or all these other people's democracies were not really socialism. As for Western countries with social democratic governments such as Britain, maybe, or Sweden, well, they get a passing grade for effort, but it seems that they are insufficiently resolute or intelligent to bring true socialism about. This is all quite ridiculous, he says, of course. Socialism is what socialism does. The plaintive lament of the purist... That socialism or capitalism or Christianity has never really been tried is simply the expression of petulance and obstinacy on the part of ideologues who, convinced that they have a more profound understanding than anyone else of the world in its history, now find that they have been living a huge self-deception. People who persist in calling themselves socialists while decrying the rest of the world that has proclaimed itself socialist and who can find a socialist country nowhere but in their own imaginings... Such people are anachronisms, and as such, they do serve a purpose. They help or will help the historian and scholar understand what socialists used to think socialism was all about. One could discover that from reading books, to be sure, but it is sometimes enlightening to interview an actual survivor, which is why when you do, they are the most ardent and committed Republicans out there. Or, close. I should close my quote, or we could look at the worst forms of socialism or the penultimate forms leading to its worst excesses, the politicalization of prosecutors and courts, the arbitrary use of them for political purposes, the arbitrary standards of censorship, the scapegoating of political opponents, the use of race, the efforts to overcome nature and be as gods and act as gods and say, this is how it starts or this is how it gets normalized. You can't, at the end of the day, graduate 4 million high school students and 4 million college students every year for 30 years with all of them drenched and soaked in socialist progressive philosophy and renderings of history and expect it to have no effect. What advertising executives ask of the public is the same thing socialist Marxist progressive educators ask. Please buy what we're selling And the educators would not be in business or continue to carry on any more than the advertising executives if it didn't work, if people weren't buying the product. And then, of course, liking it or at least finding it indispensable, in this case, to change the world or fundamentally transform this country or to maintain power by marginalizing, if not imprisoning or censoring, your opposition. You can't expect 240 million or so high school and college graduates over the course of a generation soaked and seeped in one perspective to not have an effect. And so the interesting uprising and protest against Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is not that she's out of step with democracy and socialism, but that she's actually not left wing enough as if the cursor needs constant renewal to the port side just to maintain the ship of state or thought or politics. So, yes, outrageous but not surprising. And totally normal that we are to make heroes of our journalists, as the Arizona Republic does in a story today, headlined, quote, Candidates, Anti-Media Attacks Condemned. Candidates, Anti-Media Attacks Condemned. Attacks? Have journalists been beaten and assaulted? No. Oh, then let's fix the headline for them, shall we? Anti-media criticisms condemned. That makes us all a little more calm, doesn't it? We shan't be stirring up a frenzy or exaggerating or fueling a crisis, should we? Well, but what is the story about? You read it. And you get the who, what and where, quote, a group of former journalists gathered outside Arizona State University's Walter Cronkite School of Journalism in downtown Phoenix on Wednesday afternoon to condemn the anti-media rhetoric spouted by some Republican candidates running for office. Close quote. Now. When the media does anything that seems biased or unfair or even illegal, as in disclosures of classified or protected intelligence or grand jury or federal investigations, when the media does that with their, well, rhetoric is a good word, they wrap themselves in the First Amendment and say, we, the media, have an absolute right to write what we want, whatever we want. But if someone criticizes them, it's all of a sudden an attack or a war against the media, Deserving of protest, if not more. You see, they've carved for carved out for themselves a special classification like any arbitrary authoritarian movement would saying, I have the right and you don't have the same right. And how dare you try? For if you do, we will consider it an attack or war. One former news anchor in the story read a statement that said, quote, as former journalists We are here today to sound alarms and express our concern that this election poses a very real and existential threat to our democracy. We cannot remain silent when candidates up and down the ballot in Arizona have demonstrated blatant and bold disregard for facts, reality, and truth. Close quote. This, by the way, again, Cronkite School, ASU, this would be with and in front of the journalism school that gave a free and easy interview of the Democrat Katie Hobbs, after they broke their agreement with the Clean Elections Commission that they would only air a debate with Katie Hobbs once the Democrat cried she didn't want a debate, though, they just gave her the free one on one she had been asking for all along that the Clean Elections Commission had said no to. Good commitment to the election process, that, former journalists. Any word about that? Are they serious they are worried about censoring the media when they say that? Are they serious? Cue the Bill Buckley line that I won't insult your intelligence by suggesting that you really believe what you just said. The media has indeed been censored. They are right. It's just that they did it. Ask the New York Post. Ask about the Hunter Biden story. That, by the way, had the effect, the demonstrable effect, based on exit vote surveys, of shifting the election to Joe Biden from respondents who said if they knew of the story, they wouldn't have voted for him. Ask these journalists if they're going to follow up with the 51 former intelligence officials who helped them with their censorship by saying it looked like Russian disinformation based on their intelligence expertise. Ask the great Barrington doctors or ask me. We were all censored for saying the exact things about COVID that have now become manifestly true and that all the COVID paranoiacs are trying to walk back or revise because of the physical and mental and educational crisis they unleashed and are responsible for. They were the censors, not we. You have the, Why do you think Elon Musk was trying to buy Twitter? It ain't because of right wing censorship or conservative censorship or Republican censorship. You have the perfect picture of authoritarianism in accusing your opponents with group slander for the occasional misdemeanors you commit as felonies routinely. Who on the right has censored the media? The censorship goes in one direction. There's been more socialist and Marxist speech in this country than ever before. Trump is banned. Farrakhan is not. Alexander Berenson was banned. But Stacey Abrams is not. This former reporter quoted in the Arizona Republic went on to say this, quote, only one party embraces anti-Semitism, racism, and an extreme white nationalist agenda, and it's not the Democrats, close quote. That is simply laughable in every part. Sure, it's white nationalist if Larry Elder is called a white nationalist by your profession, and he was. I'm not even going to bother with anti-Semitism and racism. That is simply and objectively all the precinct. Of the left. You have the perfect picture of authoritarianism in accusing your opponents with group slander for the occasional misdemeanors you commit as felonies routinely. Oh, by the way, this former reporter that's quoted in the Arizona Republic says she and her husband, the recently deceased Grant Woods, quote, were longtime Republicans before switching parties after Donald Trump became president, close quote. Right. This would be the same Grant Woods who, in 2014, endorsed the Democrat running for governor against Doug Ducey. Ducey, the kind of Republican Democrats tell us we should have more of, right? So Doug Ducey runs for governor as a Republican. And Grant Woods, this longtime Republican who switched parties after Trump became president, endorsed the Democrat, the guy running against the Republican, Ducey. He even made ads for the Democrat. Now. This was in 2014. 2014 was three years before Trump became president. So we are clearly in the business, with the name fair and honest journalism attached to it, of simply falsifying the past, or at the very least playing semantical games crafted with exquisite care to mislead on the merits while maintaining some sheen of accuracy. I suppose a saxophone player can play the music written for a trumpet, adjusting their E-flat tuning to B-flat as they read and play, but it does not make them a trumpet player. It may get you the specifically right notes, but they aren't real notes. They aren't the sounds of a trumpet, and you wouldn't ask that person to teach you or your children how to be a trumpet player. You wouldn't want them in your symphony at all. Right before Václav Havel was sent to prison, He wrote a great essay about the powerlessness in in authoritarian and totalitarian societies, and he wrote this. I hope it haunts, quote, because the regime is captive to its own lies. It must falsify everything. It falsifies the past. It falsifies the present and it falsifies the future. It falsifies statistics. It pretends not to possess an omnipotent and unprincipled police apparatus. It pretends to respect human rights. It pretends to persecute no one. It pretends to fear nothing. It pretends to pretend nothing, Close quote. So yeah, to paraphrase Phil Coulson from The Avengers, with everything that's going on right now and happening, yeah, do not color me surprised. But don't complain either when you can't get me surprised or outraged. What, after all, were we to expect? I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. If you're worried about stock market volatility, I can offer you an investment in a portfolio with a strong fixed rate of return and no correlation to the stock market. It's a unique investment offered by our sponsors at YReFi. The investment is in a secure and collateralized portfolio with an up to 10.25% return for investors. And the investment can be in a trust, an IRA, just as much as it can be an individual or joint investment. Y-Refi is a due diligence approved firm. It's made up of really great guys who do really well by doing good for others. And you can be a part of that. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's the word invest, the letter Y, R-E-F-Y.com. Or give them a call at 855-316-3087. No sales pitch. They just like talking about what they do. And they let it speak for itself. Another veteran-owned sponsor of this show it is open lines friday anything on your mind anything you want to add to or respond to 602-508-0960 you just heard the ad for our event this sunday battleground talkers tour if you're caller number two i'll give you two premium tickets to that event yes we have general admission tickets available only five dollars We wanted to make it deliberately low to get as many of you who wanted to go there as possible. But these are premium tickets, and I'll give you a pair. That is two, free, if you're caller number two right now. 602-508-0960. And stay on the line. And if you want, let's chat. Have a cup of coffee, we'll chat. No big whoop. Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, Open Lines Friday. Anything on your mind? Love to hear from you. Love to hear from what you're seeing on the ground, uh, especially uh, what you're thinking about uh, the election and uh, any of the rallies or events or interactions you've had uh, doing 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 politics. Yes, doing the politics. Um, I don't know how many have you of. You, should I get out the number? That would help. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. I don't know how many of you um, have seen this documentary on Showtime about the Lincoln Project. I've mentioned it once or twice. It's about a five- or six-part series on that group led by Steve Schmidt and Stuart Stevens and uh, other Republicans who um, decided to uh, oppose Donald Trump and figure out a way to make money off it, and a lot of money they made, a lot of money. Uh, Boy, was it a cash cow. For them, Uh, and their whole raison d'être, their whole purpose was to prevent Donald Trump from being reelected in 2020, and they held themselves out as Republicans and as a Republican organization for you know that that gloss of respectability, and um, it's really kind of for those that know a little bit about it, it's really kind of disgusting. When you see a couple of things uh, first of all they admit that most of their staff were Democrats most of the people writing and doing the work were Democrats hard to call yourself a Republican outfit when you're when your employees are are, are, are primarily uh, Democrats but they conceal a story in there that's one of the uglier things that came out of the Lincoln Project which was one of their founders and leaders. Um, One of their founders and leaders uh, involved in a series of sex scandals with young boys uh, that he was. uh, Well, it's really the definition of sexual harassment using his power to uh, lure them into um, work and promotion by uh, dating him. Uh, And of course, he was all the more. In favor of concealing it as a married man, uh, a married man to another woman. I guess we have to, in the times we live, talk that way now, don't we? He's a married man. Oh, is he married to a man or is he married to? Yeah, okay, he's a married man to a woman. Fair enough. And um, it's it. They don't they don't really say anything about it up until the very last of the series, up until the last uh, fifth or sixth installment. In any event, Steve Schmidt. He, uh, these people have no shame. Steve Schmidt, I don't even know if they have intelligence. He, he, um, he has a piece just up at Substack how Liz Cheney can kill the MAGA threat. They're still obsessed by people who, well, they're still obsessed by this concept of MAGA. And, um, he writes that all that has to happen is for Liz Cheney to say, I'm running for president as a conservative, I'll be on the ballot in all 50 states, join me. If she holds that line, MAGA is over as a political threat, he writes. Now, this is supposed to be some kind of brilliant, sophisticated, hired-gun political consultant for the Republican Party. I don't care if it's for the Republican Party or Democratic Party. This is supposed to be some kind of um, very sophisticated, smart, uh, highly-paid political consultant, political gunslinger. And he thinks if Liz Cheney were to declare an independency for the presidency, that um, that would be the end of the current Republican Party. Liz Cheney couldn't get reelected in her home state of Wyoming, where the Cheney name is equivalent to the Goldwater name in Arizona, probably something like that. You have to understand how, uh, how, how, how populous a state Wyoming is not and how long the Cheneys have been so dominant in that state to understand that her defeat in the primary it's she's a congresswoman it's a state that only has one congress representative so you know everyone who votes for congress in wyoming they're all voting on that she couldn't get elected there but you know just ask yourselves really isn't it amazing how quick the democrats turned on a dime to support defend and hold up as heroic liz cheney a person who in her, her dad, and her mom, for 30 years, they called all the worst names where Darth Vader would be probably one of the most innocent. Why? Because they use useful idiots. And they think we are useful idiots. Um, Liz Cheney wrote her own epitaph. She didn't do it from any other attack. She did it by not knowing what time it was. And doing the Democrats' bidding on a committee that was illegitimately made up and created in the first place. Do you see what the not January 6th committee did most recently? I'll tell you about that when we come back. To I'm Seth six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson show. Joe Biden is the weakest president in modern history, and who knows who's pulling his strings behind the scenes. It all adds up to a lot of chaos, particularly economic chaos. With inflation running rampant in America and a recession, the Biden regime denies. More than ever, it's time to think about putting a portion of your investments into gold and other precious metals with the only gold company I recommend, the Midas Gold Group. While stocks and bonds are crashing down about 20% since the beginning of the year, gold has held its value, protecting your wealth and in investment and savings. So I recommend calling the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group to safeguard your savings and investments with physical gold. You don't want to say, I wish I had. Find them online at MidasGoldGroup.com. That's MidasGoldGroup.com. Or better yet, give them a call at 480-360-3000. 480 360 thousand gold you can hold and they're sponsors of uh they're co-sponsors of our event this sunday the battleground talkers tour reward that george is in phoenix hello george
2: hey how you doing Sam?
1: i'm doing well how are you
2: real good it's friday first of all i want to thank you for all the hard work that you do and the crew and all the real patriots out there in the united states the servicemen men and women out there, the armed force men and women, God bless them all and their families. Yes,
1: God bless them all. Thank you for your kind words. But compared to that, this ain't work, brother, what I do. But thank you, George, for your nice words regardless.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No no problem. problem. I just wanted to let you know about you were talking about Liz Cheney. Yeah, we got this this other fake uh, wannabe running for governor. She can't even stand up and talk to the news because they think that they're going to ask a real question yeah. that she won't know how to answer. Yeah. I think she went to class with, uh, what's his name, um, FJB?
1: <laughs> FJB, FJB, FJB. Okay. All right. Go on. Go on. Go on. Yeah. Go on.
2: <laughs> uh, you know, it's time to, for us to, as patriots, real patriots, to walk away from the word rhinos. Yeah. Uh, and just call them as they really are, the slimo's. They're not going to get any better. They're always going to look for something more assertive to their agenda to make us you know, feel and, and want to riot on somebody. To everybody that's out there listening, don't take the bait. Be realistic. We're going to vote this coming November. We're going to vote the hell out of them with a red tsunami that's going to just take over everything, and they're going to realize we're done, we're tired, and we don't want to see them anymore.
1: You um I, I like I like the cut of your jib George I um uh, yeah this this label Rhino I um why do they even want to be considered Republicans when they spend more time condemning their party than the opposite party You know where the lie was here uh, I mean there's any number of days they speak any time one of these uh, I, I call them I don't call them Republicans in name only or rhinos. I, I call them uh, fake Republicans or or soy disant Republicans uh, because they have a vision of the Republican Party that is nowhere really found in Republican Party history. It's found in Republican Party footnotes and asterisks. You know, they find it in Nelson Rockefeller. Uh, they find it in people that rarely have ever gotten the nomination outside of perhaps Jerry Ford. Why would you want to be that? Here's where the lie most recently, I think, or at least most dramatically was revealed. A bunch of them did this campaign effort for Mark Kelly, Republicans for Mark Kelly, and they did it before the primary. Republicans for Mark Kelly before the primary. Now, Mark Kelly was running, uh, obviously, unopposed for Senate as a Democrat, against like five Republicans, five different Republicans vying for that nomination, Republicans of um, various stripes and various temperaments. I mean, you had uh, just off the top of my head, I don't know if I can do this. It's uh, Friday afternoons. I get a little tired. Let's see. Obviously, Blake Masters, who who did prevail. Uh, you had Mark Burnovich, You had Jim Lehman. You had Justin Olson. And you had uh, Mick McGuire. That's five. Am I missing a sixth? I don't know. Maybe there's a sixth. I apologize if I'm missing that person. And and in that in that primary, you had a wide swath of um, not only experience, but, you know, viewpoints within the Republican Party. And they come out as Republicans for Mark Kelly before the uh, Republican Party, their Republican Party, even nominated a candidate. They wanted the Democrat against – Did they try and work an effort, you know, someone they might not have liked in the Republican primary who was trending? It was it wasn't a it was, you know, it was a head head scratcher and open to anyone's guess who was going to win that primary. It really was. And um, they could have done that, but they didn't. They put their time, money and effort and a lot of it. Get a TV ad in a campaign like that. It costs a lot of money for Mark Kelly that's that's what we're talking about here before the primary, when they're supporting a Democrat and there's a lot of people running in that primary. You might be able to make a case if you already knew who the nominee was or if you already had only one. If you only had one person running in the Republican primary that you knew would be the person that would go up against the Democrat. And they had abandoned all Republican Party principle. But name me a Republican Party principle. Name me one. That um, that any of them represented that uh, that that they couldn't stomach because it's it's a departure from from their version of the Republican Party. Their version of the Republican Party is a version and a vision, version and vision that really hasn't existed in history. They can try and change the party while calling themselves Republicans if they want. As I say, you know, a, a, you know, a saxophone player can play trumpet music; just has to uh, just has to uh, shift shift the key he's playing in. But it doesn't make them a trumpet player. And I don't think you'd want them in your orchestra. And they ain't real notes. That's the point. They aren't real notes. Thank you, George. Tony is in Scottsdale. Hello, Tony.
3: Hey, uh, Seth. Good afternoon. So, uh, just thought I'd give you a, a, sort of a political update from uh, my street, my neighborhood, and some of the things that I've encountered. So, uh on my street, uh, interestingly enough, we're 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 probably about sixty percent Republican on our street. Okay, uh, we've got uh, we've got a very con- we've got we've got about two thirds of our street is very uh, very conservative. Uh, uh, some strong Trump supporters, but but in general, very strong conservatives. We also have, but then on the other side of the aisle, we have uh, we have some very strong liberals as well, and. Uh, we have one gal who is uh, as she's a she's an ex teacher. She's about seventy, retired. She's uh-huh. a she's a strong liberal, but she's a good friend of mine. And I I tell her she's my favorite Democrat. Yep. And uh, I I actually I but but we're really good friends, and I talk with her all the time. And I I try and bring her over to our side, but I I think she might be a little bit too long in the tooth. Uh, the The other thing that I wanted to say was that you know what, Tony, Tony, I want to get
1: to to that other thing. But I actually have a a question that occurs to me that I bet a lot in our audience would love to know, which is because I get this from time to time. How do you talk to Democrats um, when especially their friends or family members, perhaps neighbors? Um, when they are, you know, very, very, uh, shall we say, vociferous, very uh, easily triggered, very angry and upset. Let me pick up on all of that with you and your other point. Um, I'm happy to get to it when we come back uh, from the break, Tony. I don't want to lose it. Part of the answer might be this is a Democrat who's just, you know, open minded or at least doesn't, you know, think politics should be blood sport. We'll be right back. Thank you. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson show. This open line Friday is anything on your mind? 602-508-0960. Tony in Scottsdale is going to give us a couple updates on what he's seeing. Uh, Tony, you were mentioning you have a neighbor who's a Democrat. You said she's uh, probably in her 70s and you get along just fine and uh, i was wondering because i think a lot in the audience i wonder you know how what's what's the secret of your success for that friendship maybe it's just her temperament maybe she just doesn't treat you as a non-person
3: well uh number one her name is harriet and harriet is a sweetheart she yeah. totally is she's a retired teacher but the thing is Seth, and i and i know that you know this and i feel like i know it but the thing is that because uh, I, I, Harry is a good friend of mine. I do, I trim her bushes sometimes. to help Vickers fix the irrigation when it goes out. We we have a very neighborly street, and even though we have different political stripes, we actually, for the most part, all get along pretty well. Yeah. And the thing is that the thing is that Harriet, we may disagree politically, but but she knows that I care about what her and what happens to her, and 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 the other thing too is, you. I'm sure you probably. Number one, I love talking politics, and I and I know you do too. But the other thing too is I can talk politics without without getting uh, what's the right word? Without getting uncivil. Yeah. Without, without getting, yeah. Yeah. I, I can talk about. I feel like I can talk about the issues and not and not lose my temper or get all upset about. It. Now don't get me wrong. Sometimes I do, but I've had plenty of people on Facebook. Uh, basically block me because they don't like my political perspective. Right. But I've already told them, you may block me, but I am not blocking you. I yeah. am more than happy to hear your opinion. Good. Nice, Tony. No, I think
1: that demeanor is, is fantastic, in that frame of mind is fantastic. Okay, thank you for that. You said you did have another point you wanted to make.
3: Yeah, and then just one other... Uh, so uh, we had a fundraiser a couple weeks ago for Nancy Bartow, AZ Great. Senate. Good. Uh, but uh, but uh, Rachel Mitchell was there. I had a nice conversation with her, very impressed with her. Yeah. Uh, Jim uh, Jim Waring was there, uh, Phoenix City Council. uh uh-huh. Phoenix City Council. had had no idea that he is the only Republican uh, city councilman in the city of Phoenix.
1: He and Sal DeCiccio. I mean, He and Sal DeCiccio.
3: Yeah. Oh, okay. A- anyway, just— uh, uh, it's so an amazing I, I just, turn I, to many, think. How, yeah,
1: it's an amazing thing to think about yeah. Phoenix, that there are two. Yeah, there are two on the right, city council. Right. Yeah.
3: Um, but but anyway, I, I was really impressed with Rachel Mitchell yeah. and Maria Sims and Nancy Bardo in
1: general. It's an impressive team. You know, it's an impressive team. Boy, the sexist Republican Party. If we just had more Nancy Bardo's and Rachel Mitchell's and Carrie Lakes, boy, they hate it. They hate it. Did I leave off Maria Sims? I didn't mean to. She's part of that crowd, too. Absolutely fantastic, smart, accomplished, serious people, them. 602-508-0960. Totally your show. Open line Friday. Anything on your mind. Happy to take your calls. Be right back